0: This morning, I had, I had a message prepared through, throughout the week. I'm like, yes, I, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. I had heard uh, Glenn's testimony previously on the rough cut. And I'm thinking to myself, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. But then last night, as I'm sitting in my bed, and, and God's like, change your message. And I'm like, Really? He's like, don't don't worry. You've preached this before, so it should be you should be okay. And I'm like, yeah, but it, really? And I'm going through my sermon notes this morning. I'm like, man, okay, I get it, but really? Because it doesn't really fall into the theme of Christmas in a way. It really doesn't. It actually has more to do with Easter than anything. Because when we look at Christmas, we look at the lights, we look at, look at the glitz, we look at the glamour, we look at the romance, we look at the romantic feel feelings that we get from it. But even Christmas itself is messy. Right? Christmas itself is messy. Jesus was not born in a place that was sanitized. He didn't have a clean bed in which to be laid upon. He had a trough. He didn't have doctors and and nurses that had sterile gloves and you and 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 everything else he was born in the barn in the middle of animals that defecated everywhere it did not smell good it did not look good um, if you were if you were, were present when your child was born, it's not a pretty sight. And Jesus was born in that environment. So let me allow me to take you off a little bit bring you back down to earth away from the glitz and the glamour. And let's look at something that really points us to the reality of who Jesus is. Thus entitled, the message for this morning, Love Paradox. My daughter asked me, Daddy, what does paradox mean? Paradox is simple. It's something that doesn't make sense. It contradicts itself. But how does love contradict itself? Open your Bibles with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 53. For, the, for those of you that are seasoned veterans with scriptures, you will re- automatically recognize that this, ver- this chapter does not talk about Christmas at all. But it does talk about our Savior. It, it, it does talk about who we worship, right? So let's look at this verse Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. No form or comeliness, no beauty that we should desire him. I mean, think about it. When we talk about Christmas, right? We think about, oh, that's a beautiful scene. Jesus with Mary and Joseph and the lambs all sitting together. I mean, we even have it here in our church in the nativity scenes as you walk in the, into the table, right? We are custom, We often put ourselves into that place where we love to see what beauty looks like through our own eyes. Yet the scripture said that he would have like a, a root out of a dry ground. I took this photo. It was this weed coming out in the middle of these cobblestones. It had no business being there whatsoever. In my previous district, we, we, we built a, uh, we renovated a place. And we paved the driveway, we repaved the driveway. And within a year, I'm walking into that building and I see a blade of grass coming up through the asphalt. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did this thing get in here? root out of a dry ground let's look at this for a minute when 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 we read this passage it's almost as if jesus had no earthly attractiveness to it there was no beauty nothing that would draw your attention to you know we often look at at beauty as a calling card we want things to look really well my wife loves to 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 host and entertain and whenever she does and she makes a dish she wants it to be presentable right some of you ladies can relate you want to present something that is beautiful and pleasing to the eye because the idea is if it looks beautiful on the plate it's definitely going to look beautiful in my stomach what if your Savior didn't look that way? Would you be, would you be drawn to Him if you could see Him? And I, and I am sure we have all not seen face-to-face our Savior. In other passages of the Bible, we, we have this clearly marked out. Though He was didn't have any business being there, in Luke chapter 1 verse 28, it was his other biblical passages make it clear that Mary was carefully chosen to be his mother. Right? She took her job seriously. She was often with him, giving him advice as mothers would. She was present when he died. Joseph her husband claimed Jesus as his own he was loved by his family which appears to have included at least four other brothers this picture is when you look at it when you and most of you who have who own homes when you see a weed coming up in the middle of your walkway you know it doesn't belong there and you you go and you pluck it out you don't nurture it you don't fertilize it you kill it and this is the image that we have from this verse right here but then we notice that this is biblical jesus was out of place right Jesus was somebody who was not drawn to him. Really? But what about the the accounts when, when, you know, in the verse that says in verse 3, he was despised and rejected. And we look at the New Testament, there's plenty to suggest that he was not despised or rejected. He had almost a rock star atmosphere around him. People followed him. They They wanted to be with him, right? And you have verses like, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, that he had 12 disciples and he could have had more if he wanted them. He was followed around constantly by the masses of people who hung on his every word and then sometimes even had to sneak off to get some alone time with him. A woman poured a super expensive bottle of perfume And dried his feet with her hair. And then, and then you can't forget the triumphal entry, right? Jesus marched into Jerusalem with the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna. People threw their, their their tunics onto the ground so he could walk, with or I should say, uh, mounted on the donkey that the donkey would walk and tread upon those tunics. Jesus was very popular. But at the same time, he was rejected. He was killed as a criminal at the ripe old age of 33. But what's interesting is when we read this verse, 53 verse 4, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. It's interesting when you look at this verse. The pronouns that it's used is plural, correct? we is the what, plural of I. But sometimes when we look at this verse, we read this and we take this blame from ourselves because it makes it easier. We did this, it shifts the responsibility collectively and it does not put us into the place that we ought to be. I turned my back on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and I did not care. You know, but you could say... Well, Pastor, we all have our guilt to share. We all have culpability in this aspect. We all have the things that we've done. So we use the we and us. It does accomplish something important here. It reminds us. That there's a distinct probability that I have lived at the time of Jesus, that if I had lived at the time of Jesus, I would have rejected him too. We look for the beautiful, we look for the beauty in everything, we look to see what is wholesome and sacred. But the reality is, we have the luxury of looking backwards. Not what's before us. We have the luxury of hindsight, is that the proverbial adage says is 2020, right? If I were if I lived in the Great War, I would not have been one with the Nazis. If I had lived during the Middle Ages, I would not burn those Christians at the stake. If I lived at Jesus' time, I would not be one of those who would yell out, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. But we look backwards and we don't look at, it, at ourselves in the mirror. We have a we have a, a sense of not owning up to our responsibilities. When we look at what Jesus came to do, he came to connect with the least of these. He came to connect with those who could not help themselves. As Glenn rightly put in his testimony, I could not do this of myself. I needed God, and God helped me because I wanted to help somebody else. And this is why Jesus came. He didn't come to help himself. He didn't come to die so he could have you for himself. He came to die so that you and I can have a relationship with him. That in in that relationship, we are thus equipped to share our story with others. So that others will come to that same understanding of how wonderful our Messiah is. How beautiful our Messiah is. Not because we have seen him, but because he has transformed our lives. The Desire of Ages puts it this way. Those whom Christ commends in the judgment may, count, may have known little of theology, but they have cherished his principles through the influence of divine spirit, that they have been a blessing to those about them. They have been a blessing to those about them is what they're saying is you are blessing those who are around you doesn't stop there. Even among the heathens are those who are cherished, who have cherished the spirit of kindness before the words of life had fallen upon their ears. They have befriended their, the missionaries, even ministering to them at the peril of their own lives. Among the heathen are those who worship God ignorantly. Those to whom the light is never brought by human instrumentality. Yet they will not perish, though ignorant of the written law of God. Let that sink in for a little bit. Glenn wasn't a church goer. Glenn wasn't obeying the Ten Commandments. Glenn didn't have any idea as to who God was at this moment, with the exception that he knew God existed. And this is what this is saying right here. But this thing, she's not done. They have heard his voice speaking to them in nature, and have done these things that the law required Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts, and they are recognized as the children of God. You see, we often, we have looked at ourselves and say, we have owned the truth, and we want people to be like us. No, I don't. I don't want people to be like me. I want people to be like Jesus. The least of these are those who are looking for God, are those who are looking and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own, but I need your help. I need you to come into my life so I can help others. That's what the Savior came for, that's who He is. That's the beauty of the of the gospel. Chapter 53 is not about Christmas. Because he goes on and says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Man, I remember when I had this lesson put into me, into my head. It says, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with him, his wounds, through his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know what what that means to be laid on him the iniquity of us all? When I was a child, I loved playing Nintendo. This particular console Now I'm aging myself here. And all those games that you see there, I owned. This was not mine. I just happened to find this. I still love to play Nintendo. My son will testify to that. And we love playing with Nintendo together. But one day, you know, this was before... PlayStation was around. This was it. And I would spend hours playing Nintendo. But mind you, my son has never seen a TV that is smaller than a 36-inch. I have never owned a TV smaller than a 42 and a 36-inch at home before I was married, or during our marriage. But when we moved to this country, when I was eight years, ten years old, the first TV that we had we had bought was I think it was twenty four inches. It wasn't that big, and it was color. Because we never had color TV in Brazil, we had black and white. And I remember my dad comes home and and he, and he puts this big bees box of a tv on top of a counter and we all gather around we're all trying to see because the image is so little and then we eventually we were gifted the the nintendo for christmas and we're all like trying to stay in front because the screen is so small but i would come home and i would play that every single day and i remember my mom coming and saying hey you need to make sure you have your chores done and day in and day out i would get the same speech get your chores done till one day my dad came home and he was tired of speaking my dad came home and he saw me playing and it just so happened that that week my responsibility was to clean the kitchen And yes, at the ripe old age of 10, I was washing dishes. Okay? There was no... I was the dishwasher and the dryer. Okay? So kids, learn how to wash dishes. And not just for the sake of helping your mother, but when eventually you get married... Your wife will thank you. Okay? I also had the responsibility to clean the bathrooms at that age. But this week was, it was my week, my my sister and I, we would flip-flop weeks of responsibilities. One week I had the kitchen, one week I had the bathroom. This week I had the kitchen, and my dad walks in tired. My dad would put in sometimes 80 hours, 80 to 100 hours a week To provide for our family. So he expected certain things to be done. Rightfully so. And they weren't. My dad came in. Looked at us. Didn't say a word. Walked right back out. Went to his truck. Because at that time we lived in an apartment complex on Main Street in Lancaster. He went to his truck, walked back into the house, took the hammer, swung it right through the TV screen. And he says, son, in my room. And by this time, I knew what was coming. It wasn't the chanclas. If you're Hispanic, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It wasn't the switch, but it was what we write, what we called Blackie. It was my dad's leather black belt. No, it was not child abuse. And so he says, "Son, I'm tired of having to explain things to you. I'm tired of." Trying to show you that your actions have consequences. Somebody has to pay. So tonight, you have a choice. Either you get it or I do. He took his belt and he handed it to me. And I said, "Son, I'm going to take your place." And I said, "No, you can't. Somebody has to." I said, "Dad, I can't." I said, "Somebody's got to pay. But I can't do this. Somebody's got to pay." So it's either you or me. And I didn't want to get hit. I knew exactly what it felt like. And so in my, at this time, I was 12 years old already. You know, I shared with you, I was 10 when we got the TV. So two years have been had passed already since we had the nintendo and the tv at home two years i've had that opportunity to continually fulfill my responsibilities and my dad was tired and i was tired of getting hit i was tired of being punished But there was no other way for him to make me understand that there are consequences to your choices, to everything that you do, to everything that you say, everything that you do, everything that you think about, there are consequences. And so I hit my dad five times. And for the first time, I saw my dad cry as I left my room, his room. I wish I could say that was the last time I was punished. I wish I could. But when we read this verse that through his stripes we are healed, that is exactly what it is, is that we have the been the ones who put him on the cross. We are the ones that when we look at the birth and we look at how beautiful the nativity scene might be, we look at how wonderful the miracles Jesus performed, we often forget to look at the why He came. He didn't come to call attention to Himself. He didn't come to, to have us say how wonderful and beautiful He is. We sing those verses because of what He has done for me as an individual, not because everything that he did desired, deserves to be framed, photographed, whatever it is that you do to highlight. We've all gone astray. We've all, we all have, I have that responsibility of putting the the son on the cross. But you know here's something else that we need to remember. That our Savior, not only before he was hung, he sweated blood drops. He sweat of anguish. It wasn't he was so nervous about what was gonna happen that drops of blood fell from his eyes. It poured through his pores so that you and I could now be here sitting down looking at a beautiful church scenery being grateful for his sacrifice being grateful for his coming. Ellen White talks about what we should do with this. And again I'm sorry the words were are difficult to read, but here's what they say. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it and make it point by point and, and let the imagination grasp the scenes, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. You see... Being a fan of video games, Hideo Kojima is one, is the guy who developed one of my favorite video games when I was growing up. That meant, it it was Metal Gear. But here's what he says about video games. The story does not trick the player. It is the player that tricks himself the story is going to be the same. When you play a video game, even though you you may die, and if you played Super Mario Brothers, the story doesn't change. You can count on the enemy being there all the time to the point that you can pretty much, if you you played it long enough, you can see exactly and know exactly what the movements of those games are going to be. And it's the same thing for us. We know the, how the story ends. We know who wins. But we're the one who trick ourselves. We're the ones who fall short because we forget to look at the Savior. We forget to look at who gives us the strength. We look, start looking at everything that goes on around us, and we lose sight of the beauty of grace. See, even in whatever it is that you you like to do, we cannot trick ourselves into thinking that God is too far away from us. See, I I love Glenn's testimony for the fact that he was so distant from God from our perspective as Christians, we look at that and say, Man, holy cow, how can you let them go that far? How can you let yourself go that far? And we do that subconsciously with everybody else who falls into sin. How can they allow themselves to get that far? Because in reality, we do the same, just not in the, probably in the same manner but we fit in that same category. We trick ourselves. John Oswald, one of the greatest author, theologians, he writes this, that the power of of God's arm is not the power to crush the enemy, sin, but the power when the enemy has crushed the servant to give back love and mercy. The servant takes on himself the sin of israel and the world and like the scapegoat bears those sins away from us see i know i have a laser here somewhere here it is but it's not going to show he gives back love and mercy this is the power this is what christmas is about This is why Jesus came. This is why Glenn can talk about how God has blessed him. Because God took him from the depths of his life. Gave him mercy. Gave him love. And that's what Christmas is. God coming down to this wretched place and saying, I got you. I'm going to die for you. And you will probably even reject me at some point in life, but I still love you. That's why we can't separate just the birth from the life of Christ. Because if he came to, to live, the purpose was for him to die. And I pray as we go through this holiday season, as we go through this time of celebrating the gift of God to this world, may we not forget that that gift came at a cost. See, it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. It does not matter what you have done It doesn't matter how you view yourself this morning. Christmas reminds us that there is an opportunity for us to accept Christ every year because he came to this world to save me, you. And so we celebrate Christmas, not because of the gifts, not because of the family gatherings. That's great, and that's all good.